heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Welcome to Voice of a Nation. This is Dr. Lee for America with Team Nation bringing you a informative hour with both medical and pastoral leaders as we face this incredible time in our country when we just heard over recent days the Pope announcing a push for universal vaccination. We've heard from Governor Cuomo in New York, who wants to use churches as a pop-up vaccination center, which essentially turns them into agents of the state. We heard a layperson with no medical and no health policy experience, in fact, very little experience at all other than famous parents, Chelsea Clinton, calling for global censorship of any vaccine information that is contradictory to public policy as stated by NIH, CDC, FDA, Fauci, World Health Organization, and other entities that have already betrayed the American people and the people of this world on the management of this pandemic in withholding critical information about early treatment and the successes of that to save lives around the world. My question to our listeners is, what are you going to do to stand up in the face of evil? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Lutheran minister in the Nazi Germany era, who lost his life speaking for truth, was courageous enough to call it out. We are facing evil. We are in a spiritual battle between the forces of good and evil for the soul of this nation and the soul of the world. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Silence is In action, not to speak is to act by silence. Not to act is to act. My fellow Americans, we are being assaulted on all directions, family, church, medical suppression, medical censorship, closing small businesses, dictating our lives, how we live and breathe and exercise, This is not going to be a time where you can sit on the sidelines and ignore and capitulate and give in, or you will be led to the slaughter much like the Jews were in Nazi Germany. Time to speak out, time to get loud, time to get involved, and do not go quietly into this dark night. We have legitimate, legal, peaceful means 
to bring our message to more people. The churches and the courageous doctors who are speaking medical truth need to work together on this. And we are working on just that initiative in a new national campaign, Unity Against COVID, which you will be hearing more about in days to come. Today, we have with us Dr. Huma Norchesm, a legal immigrant to America years ago with his family coming from Iraq, a country of major suppression of religious freedom and individual freedom. He and his wife both became physicians in this country and reached the top of academic medicine. They have personally experienced together the horrors when medical establishments ignore safety and ignore what can happen to the few when the focus is only on majority benefit. And tragically, as you heard in an earlier interview with Dr. Norchasm, when I interviewed him in more detail about his personal medical journey and his wife's tragic death to metastatic cancer that was caused by failure of the medical professionals and the FDA to take into account safety issues with a GYN surgical procedure, Please listen to that podcast. It is very, very powerful. And listen to the documentary, Kicking the Hornet's Nest, available on Amazon to rent, that tells the tragic story and the heroic fight that Dr. Amy Josephine Reed and Dr. Human Norchasm undertook on behalf of American women and women around the world to stand up for ignoring safety and harming a few in the justification that the majority benefit served the purpose. We are facing exactly the same kind of issues with the vaccine universal push, indiscriminate vaccination, and now the governor of New York and the Pope calling for widespread vaccination without medical screening, without individual consultation with your physician about the risk, and without proper testing ahead of time, which we readily have available to determine who is immune already and doesn't need a vaccine. This is unconscionable, and you will hear more about that. Dr. Norchasm, welcome to our show. We will have people read about your impressive academic credentials in the show description, but I want to focus on hearing from you today because I know your time is short. So talk to us about your reactions, both as a Catholic and a concerned Catholic, looking at the theological aspects of this recent announcement and your concerns as a physician immunologist who knows vaccines, who's worked with vaccines, who knows the science of them, what are the risks and what are some of the key problems? Let's, let's make a quick summary for our listeners of the key problems as you see it. Sure, um, Dr. Vliet, thank you very much for, for your very kind introduction and, and for the re-invitation to join you on, on your program. I think 
I think obviously, as, as you mentioned, for, for several reasons, it's, uh, it's a very important time in our history. I, you know, I did want to take two seconds to just uh, make a minor correction um, to my, my own personal background. My family um, immigrated from Iran, my parents, in the, in the late 60s, and they are, they are Iranian immigrants. I, I personally was born in Philadelphia in 1972. And, uh, you know, I was, I was raised in the United States um, for the most part, with the exception of 10 years between 1976 and 86, where we were basically stuck in Iran in the middle of a uh, theocratic disaster in that country. Um, of course, you know, I was fortunate to um, essentially be airlifted out of Iran, what amounts to being airlifted by the United States State Department based on my country of citizenship. Um, and I, again, that, that, that also has some theological roots, which we can discuss at another time. But I, I, I appreciate this opportunity to talk about the vaccine. Um, uh, yes, I am a, a convert to Catholicism. Um, I, uh, my, my conversion process began in 2006 and was completed around 2008. Um, and uh, the, I, I did uh, my formation under um, a, a Jesuit professor, uh, Pastor uh, Dan Ruff of Old St. Joseph's Church in Philadelphia, which is the first um, Catholic church in the, in the colonies in the, in the United States prior to the United States being the United States. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that the, the, the conundrum that we find ourselves in has some very significant spiritual and moral underpinnings. Um, and, I, and I wanted to really start by this, this notion that, you know, uh, we, we live in a, in a um, society that was at its inception and despite the separation of church from state, uh, based in very deep-rooted Judeo-Christian values. And fundamentally, if I had to crystallize what is unique about the United States, and frankly, about Western civilization, but particularly about the United States, is the idea of um, preservation of the individual, preservation of the individual's rights, li life, and property um, in the setting of a democratic um, system of government. And I, I, and I think uh, irrespective of our, of our political parties and affiliations, we have to remain true and cognizant of the fact that the United States it, was at its inception and, and continues to be an experiment in balancing individual rights with good government um, so that order, civil order can be sustained and the majority could benefit. However, majority benefit um, cannot override um, the ideas of individual personal liberty. And uh, Dr. Vliet, I, I, am not a, I am not a deacon, I am not a pastor, but I have um, read the Bible. Um, and I wanted to start, if you don't mind, with two um, words from our Lord that um, one is from John 15. These are the words of our Lord to John, John 15. And I'm, and I'm, Quoting from the King James Version of the Bible, this is John 15, verse 11 through 13. And the Lord says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. 
Exactly. I'm sure that you're familiar with this spectrum of, of the argument that Jesus presents to us, um, his followers. And this idea is the idea of, of each of us as individuals having a greater responsibility to the whole. Um, and I think that's, this is one critical part. And as much as the Lord's word is one, I think we have to consider the, the other end of the spectrum which comes from Matthew. And this is, these are the word, words of our Lord to Matthew in Matthew 18, verses 11 through 14. For the Son of Man is come to save that which, is, which was lost. How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety-nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so, be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety-nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And so here we have this dichotomy in the, in the Lord's word. One, on the one hand, we have, we have this idea of the individual of the individual suffering and even laying down his life for his friends. And on the other side, you have the Lord going out uh, and, and uh, saving the one, the one who is in harm's way, right? Despite the 99, right? And so I think this dichotomy is, th these are both uh, the words of our Lord. And, and I think in as much as the word of the Lord is one, we must be able to balance these two parts of the argument, which is one, one is the benefit of the majority. We act to the benefit the majority. Our, our personal actions, our civil actions, uh, our decisions have to be based on this idea of majority benefit. But on the flip side of it is, on the flip side of it is that when there is one of us in harm's way, okay, we must all follow the Lord's steps and protect that one. And I think that the vaccine discourse directly speaks to this, um, this, th these two poles of, of, of what the Lord has put in front of us. And, I, and I, again, I don't want to get too theological here, but I do think that based on what we know scientifically about what the vaccine is, and, and I have to say the vaccine, there, there are many detractors of, of this vaccine. People who, folks who believe that this, this vaccine doesn't work, or it's gene therapy, or it's, or it's some sort of medical device that's uh, designed for mind control from Bill Gates. You know, all of these are uh, unfortunately very, uh, in my opinion, are fear-based um, uh, opinions. This, this vaccine technology has been 30 years in development. This vaccine technology is something that um, our scientific process in the United States over the course of the past 100 years has been able to bring to us and Operation Warp Speed under the direction and leadership of the Trump administration really delivered to the United States and to the world this unbelievably effective vaccine. This vaccine generates neutralizing antibodies. It primes T cells against the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And, and we can be almost certain that the vast majority of people who receive this vaccine will be protected from um, infection. However, However, anytime, anytime we um, attempt to deploy a one-size-fits-all approach, we have to ask very carefully and question very carefully, what about the individual? 
Who are the individuals who are gonna be in harm's way? How do we identify them? How do we protect them? Because if we don't, we will have missed the polarity of this argument, which is the safety of that individual, that one. How do we balance the fact that the vast majority of people will likely benefit from this immunity that this vaccine uh, provides with the safety that we need to ensure for those minority subsets of people who actually will not benefit and who may that, get- You know, why don't you just stop for, and, and let's re-emphasize that a critically important point because what you just said, who are the individuals in harm's way, how to assess them and how to protect them. I want our listeners to really, really pay attention to those three points. Exactly, exactly. I think we have the capability to do all three of the things right now that Dr. Norchasm just said were critical. And that has been the foundation of our entire approach to medicine since ancient Greece and Hippocrates 2,500 years ago and earlier than that in the Bible. Let's fact, come back uh, to those three questions. Yeah. In and, fact, I would say, I would say that those, those three elements um, are not just operational in medicine and every aspect of our, the reason why we, we've created the greatest society in the history of the world is because we've, so far at least, done the best at balancing this idea of majority benefit with individual rights. I mean, there's a, there's a reason why the whole world wants to be in America. And that is that we have a civil society capable of benefiting the, the majority while preserving the choices and the rights and the property of individual citizens and residents. And so, you know, I think if we, if we give up on that concept, if we give up on that concept, we will have given up on what America actually is, what it's supposed to be. You know, and so I think that this idea of identifying who's at risk with any product, not just with a medical product, identifying who's at risk and protecting and mitigating against the risk of harm is the centerpiece of every part of our economic and social structure. And if we fall away from that, as we have in recent years, we're essentially approaching the word of the Lord in an imbalanced way. And that is exactly what evil is. Evil is imbalance. Evil wants us to distinctly look at one aspect of the Lord's word in John 15 and ignore Matthew 18, or look at Matthew 18 and forget about John 15, right? That's not how it works. The way it works is that we can actually protect the whole while preserving the rights, safety, and choices of the one. And the way we do that in medicine is through these prospective clinical trials where we evaluate safety and efficacy. So safety focuses on minority harm, and efficacy works on majority benefit. The problem in this pandemic is that because we don't have enough time, we haven't had enough time, not enough time has been spent on the safety element of this. Now, here's the thing. This vaccine clearly will generate good immune responses in the vast majority, and that's perfectly good. We can protect a majority of people, but we haven't spent enough time looking at safety. This is, this is an issue that, that I discussed with Tucker Carlson on, on, on my long format interview with him, and, uh, which, was, which was really a very uh, good interview, I thought. But basically what, what I'm saying here to the faithful is that, look, we are, we are basically 
posing as a society, we are saying, okay, let's follow John 15. Let's, let's say, you know what, it's, it's good for, for a man to lay down his life for his friends. Okay. Let's get vaccinated. Let's, let's ignore this. We're going to protect ourselves. We're going to protect our friends. Right. But on the flip side of it, we haven't done enough to follow Matthew 18, which is, which is you have to go after that one. You have to figure out who that one is that's going to stray, that's going to be in harm's way and bring that one back and protect that one. How do we do that? Well, the answer that our public health officials are giving is that, look, this is the best we can do. This pandemic is raging through our entire nation and it's actually you know, harming a minority subset of people. And so this minority subset who may be harmed from the vaccine are actually... I guess sort of, you know, expendable. I guess they are they are maybe you know um, not. Uh, uh, the, the, it's a negligible level of harm that's being done. And, well, and they're looking at them as collateral damage and ignoring them. Yes, and, 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 and that's I, just I, unacceptable. As you and I are both. It, it's it's totally unacceptable. But 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 part of it, Dr. Vliet, is I think that we, we are up against time, and and that's that's true. I mean, the truth is that. You know, for example, you know, pregnant women were excluded from the clinical trials initially. And the reason for that, as you and I both know, is that pregnant women uh, are classified as a high risk category. And when you design a clinical trial on the front end, you're not going to fill up your trial with high risk individuals. You're going to do it to do the, do the trial with the lowest risk people, figure out if the thing works and, and, that, and then sort of trickle in, you know, other subsets. But unfortunately, we don't have that, that time. So what we are left with really, and this is the, the struggle that I've had with the FDA and the CDC, is that if you can't properly adjudicate safety because the pandemic is raging through our nation and the world, and you have to then rely on best prognostication, then you have to admit and be humble enough to admit that certain things that we're doing here are gonna be done based on best prognostication with respect to safety. Yes, we've achieved efficacy. Yes, this vaccine is a modern miracle by all standards. It's the equivalent of putting a man on Mars in under a year. It's, it's a feather in the Trump administration's cap, no question. They developed this in Operation Warp Speed. However, on the flip side of it is, let's be humble enough and say, look, we haven't properly adjudicated the safety part of this, okay? So we have not, as a, as a Judeo-Christian nation, we have not followed Matthew, okay? We are not following Matthew 18. And so here's, here's my, um, uh, my, here's been my suggestion and my, and my prognostication. The issue is this, we have literally somewhere close to 30% of the American population alone, and probably more in, in certain other countries who are already infected with this virus. These people have their own natural immune responses. They've, they've developed immunity, the same kind of immunity that the vaccine induces in response to the natural infection. What we're doing is we're actually taking that subset of people, which is probably about 30% of us at this point, one out of three Americans, probably one out of three of the world's population, if not more in certain countries. And we're basically indiscriminately vaccinating them. These people are already immune. These people do not really stand to gain any benefit, or if they gain any benefit from the vaccination, it's a marginal benefit. And so therefore this idea that we're doing something medically unnecessary to these people really only opens up a fraction of those people, no matter how small it may be, no matter how, how much of a one out of, one out of 100 it may be, or less than a one out of 100, one in a thousand, one in a thousand it may be, you know, we're exposing these people to the risk of harm. Because if you do something unnecessary to folks, 
medically unnecessary to folks, if you offer them something unnecessary or force them to get something unnecessary or coerce them into getting something unnecessary or shame them into getting something unnecessary, and then they experience a complication associated with this, why then that is not classified as an unavoidable complication of a necessary medical treatment. That actually classifies as harm, as medical harm. And I think that the fact that our public health officials and the Biden administration have been sort of unwilling to accept that idea and to actually do this, do this rationally, you know, it, it sort of demonstrates either a fundamental level of intellectual laziness um, or a fundamental level of distrust and, um, and disrespect for the individual Americans' level of understanding. Because I can tell you that most people I talk to, and I'm sure most people you talk to, understand that, you know, if you, if you have had an infection, you are very likely, highly likely to be immune. So why do you need a vaccine? Why do we need to force college kids, who 50% of whom, 40 to 50% of whom have gotten infections already to get forced vaccinated? You well, that's a, that's a key point. And, and that, Ironically, the very actions of our public health officials that you just described is what is fueling what they also criticize as, quote, vaccine hesitancy, end quote, because their policies don't make sense to the average person who knows that if you've had measles, mumps, or chicken pox, you don't get a vaccine for it. Absolutely. Uh, you, know, you know, Dr. Bleed, I- I've been, I've been, uh, I've had a lot of eggs land on my face and I've had a lot of critics taking a lot of fire from colleagues who tell me that my orientation towards um, not t- towards t- towards the indiscriminate vaccination of people who've already had immune responses and infections is going to stoke vaccine hesitancy. I actually think it's the opposite. I think that the average American is intelligent enough to know that if, hey, if I get my blood screen and I have antibodies, then I don't need this vaccine. But if I don't have antibodies, hey, guess what? I'm susceptible to this infection, you know? And I think that that fundamental level of disrespect that the, 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 the public health officials and the administration are currently, you know, sort of displaying for, for the, the half of America that is actually skeptical or reluctant to get the vaccine just is demonstration of the fact that they've fallen away from this spiritual grounding of our nation, which is to be able to balance John 15, this this idea of we will do things to benefit our whole society as individuals. I will lay down my life for you, for my friend. I will take on a risk so that we can all be protected. That idea that's captured in John 15, the, the administration And about half the country don't seem to understand that you have to balance that with Matthew 18, which is that you can't expose that one person out of 99, that one person out of a million, that one person out of 10,000 to the risk of harm, that one person out of 350, you know, to the risk of harm or death because you want the herd to benefit, right? And so if we can't spiritually balance ourselves back to our core values, and I'm not asking people to you know, become Christian or become Catholic. You know, what I, what I am saying, though, is that these documents, these biblical texts are the very basis and foundation of our nation and of, of, of our system of government. We yes. are based on this idea of balancing majority benefit with minority harm. 
this is this is the idea that uh, you know I've talked to some friends about this this idea of an American phalanx. And we'll take a break. Come right back after. Sorry, I apologize. I, I, I get a, a little bit verbose when I when I speak about this stuff because <laughs> I feel very strongly. Well, it's your passion and fire that's coming forward, and I understand that. We'll be right back with Voice of a Nation and more from our incredibly knowledgeable and passionate patient advocate and physician, Dr. Human Norcheza. Listen to Malcolm, the Voice of a Nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Now, never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. It's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran-owned businesses as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together and we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans. Is a record player the best way to listen to music? Of course not. So why are you still taking vitamins that haven't been upgraded since the 1930s? Even if your vitamins aren't hard to swallow, it's time to upgrade to Healthy Cells pill-free, patent-pending microgel supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. They taste great, convenient on the go, and they're more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. The America Out Loud family is comprised of patriots in the true sense of the word. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty and the Constitution to help save America for future generations to come. AmericaOutloud.com It's a fight for the soul of humanity. The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at liberty at americaoutloud.com. Liberty at americaoutloud.com.
Welcome back to Voice of a Nation. This is Dr. Lee for America with Team Nation, here with Dr. Human Norchesm, physician, immunologist, patient advocate, and very much deeply committed to the Judeo-Christian principles on which our nation was founded, and very aware of how we need to look at the ways to link our medical public health approaches and our more broad societal approaches to balance the key aspects of majority benefit and protecting the minority against harm. And I'm talking about minority in numbers, not races in this context. But I think Dr. Norchasm is bringing up some important points and this segment in the next approximately half hour or so, we will be talking about just exactly how do we identify the individuals in harm's way? I'd like to address that. And I'd like for Dr. Norchasm to again, describe in more detail how we assess those at risk and how we can protect them. We have simple blood tests we can do to screen people. Why aren't we using them? So Dr. Norchasm, welcome back to Voice of a Nation on America Out Loud. Thank you, Dr. Bleet. Uh, I appreciate uh, your kind welcome again. Um, and I, um, you know, I, I want to definitely get into this discussion about uh, how we can um, identify people who may be at risk or who may be um, unnecessarily treated with the vaccine. Um, but, I, but I also want to start by finishing out the, uh, the, the concept that I was uh, presenting to the audience at the end of the uh, last, the first session of our, um, of our discussion. And that is this idea that the Biden administration, unfortunately, and despite uh, uh, President Biden himself being a, a devout Catholic, I, I do believe that, that, that the balance uh, between majority benefit, which I think is, is captured by John 15, um, uh, with, with, with minority harm, which is captured by Matthew 18. I, I, I do believe that the Biden administration and President Biden needs to really meditate and pray on Matthew 18, this idea that we cannot let that one uh, perish unnecessarily. And I think that that, that um, uh, parable um, of the lost sheep uh, from our Lord will help our president uh, steer the ship right, uh, and I and I'm and I'm very hopeful and prayerful that that he he might actually um, be capable of uh, doing so. Um, so so that said, again, I mean we're we're, we're talking about who are the folks who uh, will not benefit from this vaccine, and and I and I would say to you that this is really a no-brainer um, from a public health perspective, from a medical perspective, ethical perspective, clinical perspective. This is a no-brainer. We have, we're in the midst of an outbreak. Um, there are millions of people who've already had natural infections. You know, uh, many of them, uh, most of them have survived, uh, fortunately. Um, you know, I have members of my own family who've had COVID. My sister had COVID. My, my son had COVID. My 19-year-old son had COVID. These individuals who've had COVID before, this one out of three, this one out of um, four Americans who have had, um, who have had COVID are all uh, for the most part, naturally immune. And the vast majority of them, frankly, will not benefit from immediate vaccination. 
these folks should be excluded. These, these folks are essentially for the most part receiving an unnecessary medical treatment, which only opens them up to risk. Now, there's also another category of people who have concurrent infections. So if you have an infection and you're mildly symptomatic or you're asymptomatic and you get the vaccine with that infection, you and I as physicians know, but I think every everyday Americans know too, that if you are infected with something, you should probably not be getting a vaccine at that time. You know, uh, most Americans know this. Most Americans understand this. We physicians understand it, that if a patient comes to you, has a fever or has an infection, you don't give them a vaccine, right? And so I think what we need to do is we need to be very circumspect and we need to screen people. And especially now that children are being vaccinated, you know, I think, you know, uh, as you know, yesterday, uh, FDA uh, authorized use of the Pfizer vaccine for 12 to 15 year olds. You know, a a lot of these kids um, are already immune. A lot of these kids are already uh, have had are, are having asymptomatic infections. We should not be vaccinating people who have asymptomatic infections, mild infections, or are already immune. So my plea with the public and with the administration and with our public health officials is, please, let's be rational. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can protect the majority at, while at the same time not exposing people to unnecessary risk. Let's adopt a screen before vaccine orientation. We already have the supply chains in place, LabCorp and Quest. Literally every every, um, city and town in this country has a LabCorp and a Quest sitting around the corner mall. Patients can go there. They can have their blood drawn. They can have their IgG levels assessed. They can determine if they have antibodies against SARS-CoV-2. You know, PCR and rapid antigen tests are available everywhere, everywhere these days. And so we can really screen people before we vaccinate them. You know, I think this is the, this is really the nuance in vaccine science that this pandemic has introduced onto us is that we can actually be personalized just like we are personalized with respect to every other medical therapy that we engage in. Look, you know, medicine, the evolution of medicine, as you know, Dr. Vliet has, has happened, has gone from the time when Benjamin Rush was bloodletting people up until today, where we do highly personalized medicine, you know, there's no justification for vaccines not to be delivered in a personalized way, especially in the middle of a pandemic where a third of the population probably doesn't even need to get vaccinated. Well, I want our listeners to understand the importance of what you just said, because unlike for any prior efforts in and delivery of vaccines, which all of us physicians have done in our practice over the years, I've had vaccines, you've had vaccines, we recommend them for our patients, but I have never encountered a situation where the public is urged to go to a walk-in vaccination center with no medical screening prior to that and no discussion with their doctor. In fact, it's a contradiction of the very CDC guidelines that actually say, discuss your, whether you're a candidate for the vaccine with your individual doctor And I will guarantee you that the majority of Americans are being pushed into going to walk-in vaccination centers. They are discouraged from talking with their physicians first. In fact, my own patients have said, oh, well, we just went and did it because we thought that's what we were supposed to do. And I said, well, normally we have a discussion about the risk benefit ratio for you individually before you do something like a new medical procedure that's still investigational. Well, you know, and, and, and the, rea- 
the, the reality, I'm sorry to interrupt you that complete, but the reality is that most physicians are actually scared um, to, to even to, to voice their personalized opinion. And this, this is coming down from up top. You know, um, you have you have the CDC and the FDA basically making this uh, massive push to, to you know, do a do a one size fits all blanket vaccination of everyone. So many physicians actually fear about uh, are fearful about talking about personalized vaccination and 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 you know with good reason. I mean, there, there have been there's been a massive push on the part of industry and establishment to really ostracize and and eliminate physicians who have in any way questioned this. Uh, you know, one size fits all type vaccination strategy. Now, I do agree that vaccines on a population level are critically important to controlling epidemics and pandemics. You know, look, I, I got the Moderna vaccine myself. My daughters who are unimmune to the, the SARS coronavirus are 16 and 18. They're, they're in the process of getting their vaccines. You know, one of them has gotten it. The other one will, will be getting it. I, you know, I, I don't doubt that this vaccine is effective. I don't doubt that it can protect us. I don't doubt that it's important for herd immunity and for us to be able to control this pandemic to get these vaccines. But that does not, uh, that does not uh, uh, relieve us from duty to protect people who may be in harm's way. And I think the biggest population that are in harm's way by definition are people who in whom this vaccine is unnecessary. So, you know, as you know, at the core of the principle of beneficence in medical ethics has to do with medical necessity. If you do something unnecessary to someone and that person experiences a complication from that, doesn't matter what the frequency is, it could be one in a million. That one in a million person just was harmed. That was not an unavoidable complication anymore. And so I would urge your listeners my fellow citizens, uh, I would urge the public health officials, I would urge the Biden administration to understand that a house divided is a house that will fall. And I think that our principles, both our social principles and values, as well as our theological values, are pointing to the center. What is the center? The center is where we balance majority benefit with minority harm. And what we need to be doing here is we need to be identifying people who are at risk of harm, either because of their past medical history, and certainly the biggest part of the pie in the middle of a pandemic, Dr. Vliet, is the folks who do not need this medical treatment. And most physicians know that this is the case. Most doctors, most self-respecting doctors and immunologists know that if you've had an infection naturally and you have antibodies in your blood that are of reasonable titers, and we can identify this very easily. This is as easy as chewing gum, you know? You can eliminate those people from the pool of people we are requiring to be vaccinated. And again, I don't believe in requirements and mandates, but it seems that sort of a collusion between our government forces and corporations are forcing people into this, this mandated space. And as I've said before to yourself and to Tucker Carlson and other folks is, that if we are going to mandate anything, if there are going to be any mandates by private industry or private educational institutions, this has to come, this has to come in the form of an immunity requirement, meaning that if you're natural, if you've been naturally immune and you can demonstrate that you've had antibodies from a legitimate source, you don't need to get vaccinated. And if you haven't been vaccinated, why 
you should get vaccinated. You should consider getting vaccinated, but no one should coerce you. No one should put a gun to your head. No one should shame you. No one should ostracize you. No one should take your civil liberties away from you. No one should take your educational opportunities away from you because that's not what we do in this country. And you know, if enough people don't want to get vaccinated and this means that our nation will fall apart, well, you know, that will have been the destiny of this republic because the republic has to be sustained by its democracy. And if the democracy does something that's completely out of whack, well, guess what? The democracy falls, the republic falls. So I think we need to come to the center. We need to balance this out. We need to work on therapeutics for people who are infected. The people who are infected need therapeutics. This vaccine has suppressed entirely the, the discovery and development of, of therapeutics. You and I have talked about drugs like ivermectin. You know, I personally was involved with trying to get cyclosporin onto the radar because I believe that this is going to be a this is going to be an, an important drug. You know, these efforts have been squashed, basically quashed by 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 our public health officials, by our FDA. They don't let therapeutics be developed unless there's a, they're a big money maker like the Regeneron antibodies. You know, we have generic drugs, things like ivermectin, things like cyclosporin, things like dexamethasone that have not been developed for people who are infected. But take that aside for a second. Let's think about the vaccine. We have this amazing vaccine now. Why are we giving it? Why are we giving this vaccine to people who don't need it? Just as the largest item, right? Why is this push? Why are we, why are we so unintelligent in America these days? Why are we letting, why are we letting our principles slip while the people whose principles are directly in opposition with the principles of individual liberty, countries that are totalitarian, take this loss of ours to the bank gleefully. Why are we letting this happen? Well, I would like to suggest that one of the reasons that it is happening, we have needed stronger, outspoken leaders for American people with the voice of reason and balance, medical wisdom, and our values wisdom. And we have not, we've simply not had that. We have needed more church leaders to stand up against the one size fits all, against the suppression of our individual liberties. And We've needed more physicians. We have a whole team of frontline physicians in the COVID-19 Alliance and the Frontline Critical Care Alliance. And we have the new initiative with Unity Against COVID. But when you look at the numbers, that is a tiny percentage of the physicians in this country. And so I think people like you, people like what I'm doing here, what Malcolm Out Loud is doing with the whole platform of America Out Loud Talk Radio is trying to wake people up to what I led with at the beginning of the show, that we cannot be silent in the face of what you describe so eloquently as evil, pushing us to an imbalance and ignoring our benefits to take and our responsibilities to take care of both the majority and those who could be harmed. We can do both. We've always balanced that. And in this pandemic, we have failed to do so. I agree with you, Dr. Bleed. I, you know, there, there, there's been a concept that I've uh, discussed with a few friends 
this concept of, uh, of the American phalanx. You know, the American phalanx is, is this idea that we, we stand uh, together as, as, a, as a democracy under a flag and a constitution as a majority, the purpose of which is to defend the rights of individuals and minority substance of people. And the reason why this, what, this system was designed in this way was because anyone in a free market economy and a free market society, which is absolutely essential, any one of us could become a member of that minority or that individual in harm's way. And the American phalanx is where the majority protects the minority, the individual. Now, if we wanna turn that into racial politics or identity politics, well, that's fine. There, there, are, there are people who, are, who have different identities and different ethnicities and are, they're in harm's way and they've been at disadvantage, sure. But we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's not just about identity politics. Anyone, anyone could become a minority or an individual in harm's way. And so I think that this idea, we cannot give up on this idea of the American phalanx. The American phalanx is where a democracy under a flag and a constitution defends the rights and property and lives of individuals and minority substance of people. If we give up on that idea, we've given up on the whole thing. Now, I would, I would really challenge and urge President Biden, and I don't, I, I don't know if he listens to this radio program or not, I doubt he does, but if by chance, by a stroke of a miracle, he does, I would urge him to carefully read Matthew 18, verses 11 through 14. Because I think what's happening here with this one size fits all medical treatment, which we are using in the form of a vaccine, not only are we ignoring the need for boosting therapeutics so that we can protect the people who are already infected, but what we're also doing is we're deploying a vaccine into people who don't need it. 30% of the population does not need this vaccine. Imagine that. And, and that is what is so alarming to me. And in my practice, every day I am getting reports from patients who were exceptionally stable and taking care of their health and doing well on our combined approaches to their healthcare. And suddenly they get the vaccine and have been seriously destabilized and have had many different types of complications. I'm really shocked at the things that I'm encountering in my day-to-day -day practice. But what I would like to say about that is that most of these patients didn't need the vaccine by virtue of other medical reasons and the fact that they had been exposed and or had COVID, as you just pointed out. But with the massive pressure to everyone rush to get the vaccine, they didn't even call to ask me ahead of time to do the screening that I can easily order. And I'm ordering it for my patients now. The nuclear capsid antibody test, the IgG antibody test that you mentioned for the response to the vaccine to know that the, that the vaccine works, they've got antibodies, and then the other testing. And the, the T-detect test is a brand new T-cell test that can be useful to people to know whether they have T-cell immunity. And that's an FDA approved on an emergency use authorization because of the situation we're in. So on the one hand, the FDA has approved this new test on an emergency use authorization. 
because they knew it was important to test T-cell immunity. And yet on the other hand, all of this information about the availability of these tests at all the commercial laboratories is just, and insurance covers most of them, it's just being ignored. The public's not being educated about that. I, I really have never seen anything like this in my career. And I've spent many, many thousands of hours over my career doing patient education programs like you're doing today. And this is, this is it's absolutely just not incredible. happening. Now, this is this is absolutely unprecedented, Dr. Vliet, as you know. We've never really, you know, normally what we do is we deploy these vaccines as prophylaxis, meaning that we deploy them before we expect the uh, uh, virus or uh, bacterium uh, to become, become um, sort of um, emerge. You know, so for example, with the flu vaccine, we tend to vaccinate people in the September through, uh, you know, December uh, timeframe with the majority of people getting vaccinated in October, November, when we expect the peak, peak of the flu season to be somewhere in uh, December, January, February, March, right? That, that's, so we always sort of mismatch these. And, and so that's, that's the normal cyclicity of, the, of the, uh, you know, uh, these infectious diseases, especially the flu. With the, with the SARS-CoV-2, it's a pandemic virus that's raging right now. So we're really literally deploying the vaccine in the middle of a pandemic. And, and I think that that's, um, that's sort of the biggest thing that we're doing that's different. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's unprecedented. So um, I just, I, I don't want to, uh, I know that we're coming up on, on time here, uh, Dr. Vliet, but I, I, I do want to leave um, you and, and your audience with, with one final thought. And that is this, this idea of, you know, um, what is our, do we have, do, should we feel a responsibility towards getting towards our neighbor to get vaccinated. See, here's how I think about that. Look, you know, um, the military recruiters, uh, you know, offer the opportunity to citizens to join the military, right? When you join the military, you've taken on a risk to your life and you're, you're doing that in order to protect the Republic, in order to protect the whole, right? And so that's a personal choice in this society. We, and, and we believe that that's patriotic, but just because you don't join the military and many people don't join the military, as you know, that doesn't mean that you're not patriotic or you could do something different. So this idea of, of so for example, I, I do believe that it's my civic duty to get the vaccine, right? It's my civic duty to my family and to my neighbors to get the vaccine. Do I believe that that's, it's necessarily your civic duty? No, I don't. You know, does that make me think of you any less? No, it doesn't, right? Because in this society, in our country, we can respect each other and have our differences of opinion. You know, now, if you start to try to shove your ideology or your thought process down someone else's throat, especially your neighbors, where then you have a divided country and we fall, we can't do it that way. We cannot do it that way. That's exactly right. And actually, to carry your military analogy into this very debate, the military recognizes that even though some people may want to serve in the military, they have medical risk that mean they cannot serve. Exactly. And they evaluate that risk at the beginning. And this is what you and I are preaching needs to be done. It fits our Judeo-Christian tradition. It fits our whole structure of government values. It fits medical wisdom. This is what we urgently need to do is shift the focus to early treatment for those infected, proper screening of those who are appropriate medical risk 
and need the vaccine, the medical risk of those who don't need it, and the medical risk of those who've had other reactions that mean they can't take the risk of this one. And we're not doing any of that. And that's what is so urgently needed. And I really want you to come back to what are your strategic steps summarized in some talking points for our listeners. What are your strategic steps through the churches, through their individual action that they can take in requesting testing and talking with their doctors? Uh, I, I think that the churches and places of worship are absolutely in a, in, a, in a position to lead on this. I do believe that if anyone who adheres to the words of our Lord in John 15 and Matthew 18 should understand that we need to balance this thing out. I think there's a massive leadership role on the part of every church leader, every church leader, to demand that our government bring this to balance. And the way I would say that, that the lowest hanging fruit from, from my perspective, from a public health perspective, is as you and I have talked about, is this idea of avoiding the avoidable, avoiding unnecessary vaccinations. And, and I would submit to you that we have very, very good data. We have very, very good clinical precedent. We have very, very good standards of care that tell us that if a person has had a natural infection, that person is immune. And so those folks should be eliminated from immediate vaccination. You know, those folks in our, in our parishes, in our churches, in our synagogues, in our mosques in this country, should, the, the leaders of these organizations should demand that our public health officials not use these uh, places of worship as a vehicle to deliver medical care that is unnecessary to one out of three, to one out of four of their parishioners. So I think that this is actually incumbent on every, every clergyman, every member of the clergy to demand if, if the place of worship is being used as a vaccination site, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that concept, but that this should be done only when there's medical necessity. So the folks who are immune already from having had COVID, and millions of people should not be getting vaccinated and especially not in our Lord's house. Thank you. Dr. Norchasm, that closing was extraordinarily powerful and I, I could not agree more. It is truly evil to take over our houses of worship to violate all of our biblical and ethical standards and values. To all of our listeners, it is time to get loud, get involved. This is your life, your health, your freedom at stake. It is time to speak up and make the world around you a better place. The heart and soul of a nation beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor, 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 our soul. soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Welcome to Voice of a Nation. This is Dr. Lee with Team Nation, and the second hour of today's show 
following a powerful presentation and discussion with Dr. Human Norchasm in the first hour as he gave an immunologist response to the Vatican's announcement about what we shall say is universal vaccination in the Catholic Church, recommending that. And then Anthony Fauci at the same global summit recently saying the churches should be used as vaccination centers. Following that, of course, was Chelsea Clinton chiming in with no medical experience and no knowledge of anything like clinical trials and vaccine risk or how to determine who should be vaccinated or not, and now calling for a global censorship of any vaccine information that doesn't exactly follow the script of the public health agencies. All of this has created a firestorm of controversy and really church leaders, both Protestant and Catholic around the world, and particularly in the United States, have been quite alarmed by such a broad approach to vaccinating people who were never studied in the clinical trials, but they are also concerned about the CDC's announcement recently of extending the vaccines to children and to pregnant women, also excluded groups. And then suddenly we have the FDA announcing that it has approved the COVID vaccine for children 12 to 15 with no safety data. They weren't studied in the clinical trial. It's like, on what basis did they make that decision? And it it really has medical professionals shocked. And the clergy has expressed shock and concern at the violation of the normal medical ethics and the normal freedom of choice about medical treatments, it really has created an enormous controversy. And that is something that we wanted to shed light on in our discussion with Dr. Norchasm from the medical perspective in the first part of today's Voice of a Nation. The second part, I really felt it was important to hear from the voices of evangelical and Catholic clergy and some of the community lay leaders in the Catholic Church in particular, and also to be thinking about just exactly what does all of this mean when our churches are being direct did as agents of the state, such as Governor Cuomo announced in New York, to become pop-up vaccination centers when people have so many questions about these experimental biological agents. That ties in with another initiative that I personally as a physician am part of, and this is a new organization led by Dr. Peter McCullough, one of the world's leaders and experts on COVID and the vaccine issues. And he has begun a new outreach program called Unity Against COVID. And it will be launching 
in the weeks ahead with a national educational campaign on the incredible success of early treatment, which many of us frontline physicians have been involved in since February, March of 2020 and successfully treating our patients early in the, in the outpatient setting at home and working to keep people out of the hospital. The data from all of the thousands of patients and, and our coalition of COVID-19 frontline doctors through telemedicine services and office-based practices are treating about 15,000 COVID patients a day in the outpatient setting without resorting to hospitalization using the medications that are described in our free e-booklet, www.covidpatientguide.com is where you can download the free booklet, read a description in layman's language about COVID, the stages of the illness, and all of the common medicines that we're using in a combination approach to treat them. So Unity Against COVID will be working to train physicians and to teach patients what their options are beyond vaccines. And I'm excited about being part of that initiative. But as part of that, I felt a need personally to look at how we could be creative and solve problems to more quickly deliver more services at lower cost free of all of the government roadblocks and the political pushback and the censorship by big tech and the health systems that don't want you treated in the outpatient setting because the hospitals are making too much money on treating inpatients. And of course, that's the point at which the disease is critically serious. And if once you reach the ICU, the average mortality rate is over 25%. So our whole effort has been treat early, treat at home with loved ones around them, minimize exposure, get people the help they need with common medicines we use every day. And it's a pretty common sense approach. I think most people can get it that most diseases you treat early. So our unity against COVID is doing that. But I thought a piece was missing and I suggested to our team that we develop a network of clergy who would be interested in working with us, ministers in medicine, working together to bring help and hope to people who are really suffering and sitting home in fear. So we began our new church outreach. And going back to the very beginning of my career in medicine, when I was on the faculty, of medical school in Norfolk, Virginia, one of the programs that I was involved in for the family practice residents was to show them ways of working as outreach in the community. And we had an interfaith group that was setting up free clinics in churches around the Norfolk, Chesapeake, Virginia Beach, Portsmouth area. And we would actually go to the churches, set up in a classroom, and do medical screenings and take care of, of minor medical needs free and help people in their church setting 
where they felt more comfortable and less threatened. It was a wonderful program and it really was extraordinarily meaningful. So fast forward to 2021 and I'm thinking to myself, here we have all of these doctors that are have set up, Dr. Stella Emanuel has set up frontline MDs for telemedicine. Dr. Simone Gold has set up speakwithanmd.com for telemedicine. And Dr. Ben Marble has set up myfreedoctor.com for telemedicine for COVID patients. So here we have all this technology. We have all these physicians who are doing this work to help people quickly telemedicine, get them the medicines they need. And I, I just felt like we need to go back to the old model. Let's bypass all the roadblocks, all the restrictions. And like the old saying, do an end run around a defensive line that you can't get through the blocks and make your touchdown that way. So that is our new initiative. We're launching with a key group of pastors in the America's Black Road Regiment Network, as well as Pastor Stefan Broden's network of pastors. And of course, Pastor Broden is a member of Team Nation here on America Out Loud. And he and I work together there. We've worked together on other outreach efforts. So I contacted him and he was very excited about this outreach to the churches and delivering services in the churches, actually. So he's my co-leader of this outreach effort and this implementation of medical services, educational services, psychological and spiritual support, screening prior to vaccines. We really are excited about all that is unfolding and how hard everyone's working on all of this. So with that in mind, I wanted to invite some of the pastoral leaders to a strategy meeting to plan what we could do to begin to more quickly implement all of these services in their parish and local congregational settings. And that is where we start today with input and comments from some of our really dedicated and passionate and creative clergy leaders. And I'd like for you to hear from our Team Nation member, Pastor Broden, as part of this initial segment. But just like to comment before that about what an amazing person. You haven't heard too much about Pastor Broden's background here on Team Nation. He did a powerful show just this week called Brush Fires of Freedom that was extraordinarily moving. And I hope you'll go back and listen to that podcast. Pastor Broden is a really interesting person and a very principled man of deep faith. He's the founder and senior, senior pastor of Fair Park Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, and has been for over 40 years. He has a master's in communication at the, from the University of Michigan, master's in Bible from Dallas Theological Seminary, and he has been 
he's had an interesting career before going into the ministry. He was in business, in corporate jobs, as well as an entrepreneur and small business owner. And he was host of his own radio show, worked as a newscaster and radio broadcaster, really a fascinating multidimensional Team Nation member. And I just wanted to help you know more about the background of the person you are hearing from on Team Nation. He's been a leader in the pro, in the black pro-life movement and a founder of the National Black Pro-Life Coalition. In addition to that, Pastor Broden has spent a great deal of time working in the community to improve services for economic opportunity, quality education, and respect for life. He also has set up a friendship center, which is an interfaith place for young people to come together and to be a community resource center. I want to quote from something he wrote that I think is a guide for all of us as we think about where we are today and what we face. And this is a quote from Pastor Stefan Broden. Faith. I firmly believe that our nation was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, and these principles are the bedrock of our success as a nation and as a people. Family, our nation's future is only as good as the health of the family. As the family goes, so goes the nation. And we are certainly seeing that today. Country, America has been a global leader for all freedom-loving people. Our liberties and form of government is a model for all who strive for freedom. Our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution are among our most precious national treasures, and the ideas they embody must be honored. I am pro-life, pro-family, pro-liberty, pro-Second Amendment, and pro-free enterprise. End quote. He also went on to describe the fact that he ran for public office in 2010 because of a deep concern over the direction our country is taking away from the constitutional conservative principles on which this nation was founded and made us great and moving rapidly toward Western European socialism and even radical Marxism, which will make us weaker less prosperous, less safe, and less free. And I think my fellow Americans listening to this show today, all you have to do is look at the government regulation of your life and micromanaging every aspect of your life during the COVID pandemic. And you are experiencing firsthand what the socialist, Marxist, totalitarian government have done around the world and what their citizens go through every day. Americans have been shocked by the restrictions on their freedom during the pandemic, but other countries,
countries under totalitarian governments lived that way their whole life. We better wake up and pay attention that it's time to get loud, get involved, and speak up for your freedom. And that's what our group of clergy were doing in our discussions about how we could break free of the government restrictions and bring our combined medical and ministry services together in the freedom zones of the churches where speech is still free, where religious liberty is honored, and where the choice of how we treat our bodies and what treatments we decide to use or decline is still our choice. So let's hear first from Pastor Broden in response to this initiative. My involvement in this issue is that this vaccine, as far as we can determine, is not FDA approved. It is an experimentation with unproven testing and with potential of it being a very deadly consequence for those who are taking it. I think we have enough doctors here on the line who can affirm that that's the case. Yes. And so it, it is a very dangerous thing to take this vaccination without the science behind it that will prove that it will do what it says it will do. That is not the case as it stands today. I'm very concerned that we're moving towards forced vaccination on an experimental drug. It encroaches upon our liberties. I think fear is driving this and fear is causing, I think, our nation and our nation leaders and doctors to act irrational. We're not using common sense here. I think we need to pause and take a look at what's happening here and make sure that it's safe and that it does not have adverse consequences that includes even taking life. So I'm very concerned at this point that we're moving irrationally as a nation and that we are not thinking through what is the best course of action for us to take. And out of this, I believe that there's an encroachment on our religious liberty. There's an overreach of our government that's reaching into and regulating our faith communities in terms of how they can worship, when they can worship, how many can be assembled. This is an encroachment upon our religious liberty. And as an evangelical, Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and he defines the relationship of the church with the culture and with his, himself and his people. At this point, he has been displaced by the government, who is defining when we can meet, how we can meet, whether we can sing, whether we can pray or even take communion. This is a step beyond religious liberty. I, I believe that there is a, a better answer and I believe that the doctors have a role and responsibility to speak into the culture, information, education, so that our actions can be based upon good, solid scientific information 
and education on what is best for me and my family so that I can make a, a, a choice that would be best for me. At this point, it is not the case. We are operating in fear and with censored information. Hydroxychloroquine and other treatments are available that have been proven to treat this virus. Yes. It is not being promoted in the culture. And there are men and women who are making decisions without all of the data required for them to make a wise choice. Absolutely. So I've asked my friends and spiritual leaders, Dr. Evans was my pastor for many years and has a prominent role among a voice among evangelicals across this world. And I'm not certain that he knows all the data and all the treatment that is available. But at some point during the course of this meeting, and I hope, uh, Dr. Lee, that you will take a moment and define why this, vac this virus is not as threatening as they're saying it is. And no doubt it has some deadly consequences. It's no more deadly than the flu. And why there are treatments out there that are not being promoted at this time. So I'm involved in this because I believe there needs to be an alternative voice in the public square that will help the public and the church of the living God to make a wise choice and not an irrational choice out of fear. Number one, the coronavirus is extremely treatable and has a survival rate of better than 99.99% of if, key point, you catch it early and you employ a multi-drug combination targeted to the stages of the illness. The reason that, and the sole reason that so many people died was government suppression of early treatment in the outpatient home setting, like every physician in this country has done their entire career to treat every disease as early as possible. We don't send patients home with the flu to wait in fear until they can't breathe and then say, go to the hospital. We tell the patients, you need to call us, you need to be treated within 48 hours and we can help you get through the flu. Government decisions and political agendas and financial agendas, and perhaps it more broadly, the enemy and all three aspects of what we mean by that in, in the theological context, have actually colluded worldwide to suppress early treatment, limit access to generic approved drugs, and to dictate policy from NIH, CDC, FDA to prevent people from getting treatment and, and directing policy focused on solely contagion control, masking and social distancing and lockdowns until the mass vaccination effort could be rolled out. And they have focused on two of the four pillars of treatment, contagion control and vaccination and have completely blanked out the 
critical first pillar of early treatment. It has been much more orchestrated than people realize. It's a very treatable illness. Infectious disease was not my specialty. I'm in general preventive medicine. I do a lot of work with people from puberty to late life with preventive, preventing heart disease and diabetes and a whole host of problems in men and women, but it's all outpatient work. And I started looking into the data very quickly and the research in February and found a study going back to 2005 that said hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine prevented the viral binding to our cells and prevented the virus from replicating in our body. I said, well, that's great. Here's a good antiviral for this virus. The SARS-CoV-1 that came out then shares 70% of the viral genome of the SARS-CoV-2 we're dealing with now. So this should work. Lots of other doctors were coming to that conclusion. It was easy to find the article. So we began treating our patients in the outpatient setting, targeting antiviral medicine, which every doctor knows how to use. We then used anti-inflammatory medicines for the inflammatory part of the illness. Every doctor knows how to use steroid inhalers and bronchodilators and oral steroids to treat those conditions. We do it every day. The, sec the third phase of the illness involves micro blood clots throughout the lungs and brain, intestinal tract, heart, kidney, so on. And we use anticoagulants, aspirin antiplatelets, and we use things like Eliquis as anticoagulants. We use home supplemental oxygen. Every patient I've treated for the last year have treated outpatient within the first three to four days of symptoms. I've gotten them home oxygen through home health services. They have oxygen support. They have vitamin support and supplements that work. We have prescription medicines that work. They're all generics. They've all been around for 65 years. We have a safety track record, unlike anything related to remdesivir, Regeneron, or the vaccines. So this information has been calculatedly suppressed and prevented from accessing by the American public, except those who are diligent enough to search it out. I think that's important to state here at the front end so that those who are not aware can know that there's this virus is treatable, but there is a calculated effort to censor that fact. And it seems to me there is an agenda here that is being foist upon us by those who are seeking a reset of our global economy and other agendas that they have that are adverse to our way of life, adverse to our constitution, and most especially targeted towards our religious liberties. It is not incidental or accidental that the World Forum or Economic Forum has said that COVID-19 is their opportunity to do a global reset. Most of us don't know that this is an agenda item that has been on their plate for a long time. They've been looking for the right crises. There's some sense that this crisis is a manufactured crisis and it's being exploited for the purpose of radically changing who we are as a people. When I say we as a people, as Americans who are under the auspices and guidance of the constitution, which is dying a death of a thousand cuts, 
particularly behind this COVID-19. There has to be an alternative. The voice of reason has to go back into the public square. They are targeting the church to use the church as the means by which to force people to get the vaccine by using a spiritual cloak over exactly this right. sinister effort to get everyone vaccine with a vaccine that they don't know what's in it. How do we know the truth? Why would I line up to take a vaccine when this controversy is all around this vaccine? And people are dying every day from this vaccine. There is scientific data to show clearly that this vaccine that is designed to trigger an inflammatory response in order to generate production of antibodies, which is how it's working, it actually is triggering the body to make the spike protein, which is what was causing so much damage in the COVID virus. When that happens, the spike protein, and Dr. McCullough has presented this, so has Dr. Norchasm in multiple interviews. When the spike protein is generated, it actually damages the inside of the blood vessels, it damages the platelets, it damages the, the clotting mechanism. So it is, it's thrombogenic, it triggers blood clots. It also triggers an inflammatory response. And what Dr. Norchasm pointed out in the emergency meeting yesterday, correctly, is that this vaccine in pregnant women, which were appropriately excluded from the clinical trials, the vaccine generates a febrile inflammatory response in pregnant women that is one of the highest risk factors for early loss of the baby. In other words, a spontaneous abortion, or we call it miscarriage. So the problem is they knew there were these risks and that's why pregnant women were excluded from the clinical trials. So to push pregnant women now to get the vaccine, we can see the numbers of miscarriages that are happening shortly after the vaccine. And this is real. This is not conspiracy theory. These complications of the vaccine, I want you all to write this down. You can go to www.openvaers.com. That stands for Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. It is the CDC database of vaccine adverse events. As of April 30th, there were over 11,000 deaths related to the vaccine in the combined CDC database of VAERS and the European comparable to VAERS. There were over 890,000 adverse events. There are hundreds of cases of early pregnancy loss, spontaneous abortion in pregnant women who are getting vaccinated. Elderly people are dying in high numbers because they cannot, they're too frail to handle the massive inflammatory reaction. What happens is that they were excluded from the clinical trials and now we're seeing the clinical trial carried out as a human experiment. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. 
is a record player the best way to listen to music? Of course not. So why are you still taking vitamins that haven't been upgraded since the 1930s? Even if your vitamins aren't hard to swallow, it's time to upgrade to Healthy Cells pill-free, patent-pending microgel supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. They taste great, convenient on the go, and they're more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, -E and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Now, never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. And it's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran-owned businesses as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together and we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans. AmericaOutloud.com is the alternative from the agenda-driven globalist. Here, we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. On-demand podcast or real-time talk radio with our streaming apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. I'd like to continue our discussion with hearing from Southside Chicago pastor Cesar Lafleur. He has quite an amazing career, and I'm going to let him tell you a little bit more about what he's been involved in and where his concerns lie regarding the vaccines and how his parishioners are responding. Stephen Broden reached out to me. I've known him for years. Working in the pro-life movement, I've been a pro-life advocate for 30 years. I am uh, located here in Chicago locally. I am uh, working for Illinois Family Institute. I'm the uh, head of their project exit operation that is advocating getting our children 
out of public schools where they're being indoctrinated into wicked theologies and placing them in homeschool, private schools, public schools, church schools, I'm sorry, uh, church uh, school coercion. I'm also the uh, co-director of the clergy network for the Center for Urban Renewal and Education, CURE, Star Parker's organization. I'm the uh, co-director of their clergy network where we have 800 pastors in our national network of pastors. And that's one of the groups that I work very closely with to advance issues of especially in the urban areas. We are the voice of the urban pastor in Washington, D.C., and we also uh, speak to different issues that concern us locally. I have personally refused to take the vaccine, even though I am a kidney patient, and so I understand how serious it is for me, but I've been very suspicious of the way that this has been rolled out. I've looked at this COVID crisis as being a manipulation tool. And I thought that there was another purpose for them pushing this vaccine on us so readily. I virtually think it has something to do with population control. I couldn't ex communicate it the way that you guys have, but I was just always naturally suspicious of that. And so I appreciate getting more information to help me feel more confident about the decisions that I wanna make. I too believe in freedom of choice to make decisions for ourselves based on what we think is best for us. And I'm very suspicious when the government tries to eliminate choices and tries to force us to do something that we might not wanna do. Just the suppression of other opinions about what's been going on with this, vi with this virus the suppression of other treatment options that I've witnessed over the last year has really confirmed to me that the government doesn't want us to have access to certain information, only the information that they present, and I don't trust them. Thank you for sharing that concern about the vaccines, Pastor LaFleur. From a medical perspective, I think you are correct to be concerned because if you have a kidney, disorder and impairment in kidney function, the marked and intense inflammatory reaction created by the, these vaccines, and they're quite potent in triggering that inflammatory response, could possibly lead to further kidney damage. And I think this is something that needs careful evaluation with your physician not having pressure by government agencies for you to indiscriminately take the vaccine. Because if you'd already been exposed to COVID or if you had had mild COVID and mounted an antibody response, but you weren't really sick and didn't know you had it, taking the vaccine at this point could really cause significant risk of adverse events. And I think in some respects, your intuition and God's guidance was letting you know by raising your concerns that perhaps this wasn't the best option for you and you needed more information. And I would encourage our listeners to also listen to their own inner wisdom. Most of the time, if we pay attention, we have a pretty good idea of what may be something that's beneficial for us or something that may cause problems for us. So I've always said to my patients, listen to your inner wisdom and then take time to answer questions and get what you need in information from sources you trust and then make your decision.
I'd like to hear from Pastor Broden. I'm impressed with much of what Pastor Broden brings to our discussion from the breadth of his experience. Pastor Broden. The information is absolutely critical in our community. I think we have been targeted by Fauci and Bill Gates and Melinda Gates, who have said publicly that the first group that they need to have vaccinated are the, the black and minority communities. Exactly. They've said it publicly. And the morbidity rate among us is higher than most other ethnic groups. We have more diabetes. We have more high blood pressure. We have more of the, the morbidities that are responsible for uh, the virus being very successful in taking people out. So I find it odd that they are targeting our group first, but we are the ones that are being targeted with sophisticated marketing and slick advertisement to take the vaccine. And now they're going to the pastors to ask them to help push the vaccine in our community. The same way that Margaret Sanger asked pastors to help them to get black women to have abortions. We also are honored today to have with us Father Brian Nolan, who is a Catholic priest in the greater Baltimore, Maryland area. And actually, I had the privilege of meeting Father Brian at an emergency summit meeting, strategy planning with Catholic clergy and lay leaders that was actually held on Sunday afternoon, Mother's Day in response to trying to determine what should be the response to the Vatican's announcement on vaccines, because many local Catholic leaders were quite concerned about that. So Dr. McCullough, Dr. Norchasm, and I were part of the group that met with the Catholic leaders Sunday afternoon on Mother's Day to discuss all of these issues. And I thought I really was impressed with what Father Brian Nolan had to say. And so I asked him to join us and share his ideas. Just briefly, can I share with you what has been helpful and what would be helpful? Uh, again, having talking points like the sense of the importance of patient autonomy, that the vaccine is not free of, of safety issues. And that sense that there's a legitimate question that when people have that, they should have the autonomy. Talking points like, uh, that even by their own data, it's medically unnecessary for healthy people under the age of 65. And that right. sense of, uh, we need, but having those talking points, and especially in the state of Maryland, there's a, a frenzied push for school vaccinations and mandatory, and the University of Maryland system is mandating it. If you come on campus, you must be vaccinated with no exceptions. We need to be getting word out to say that is that cannot happen in the United States of America. The third one of uh, that, as you shared with you, it's a treatable. Why aren't we talking about early treatments and the various treatments that are helpful? These are helpful talking points for pastors, for myself, for others. But the last two, last three things I would add would be, I remember being very, uh, it seemed very problematic when they're switching the understanding of herd immunity also always included those who have had it. And that sense, you're switching the standard and switching percentages, and we need this 70% vaccinated. This is a shifting sands. Shifted, and we need to be very clear. And I'd like to hear more from medical professionals to say that's a problem when you're shifting standards. They have never had herd immunity 
at the standards they're applying it now. And I'd like for, for later, please share that. The last two things with this push for vaccine passports, which I do not trust mandatory passports where you have to have it. And these people, there's a lot of money to be made for bracelets that everyone has to get a lot of money to be made. And if it, if there's that requirement, they've already told you, you're going to have to get the follow-up vaccination. There is a lot of money around there. And in that sense Mm -hmm. that if there's one requirement, you better believe who's going to try to hop on to have the next requirement, the next requirement. And then I heard that scenario of you've had your third vaccine. We're at the fifth vaccine and, and your child doesn't have the vaccine. So you can't buy things. You know what I mean? Once you get into mandatory things, we as Christians know where those kind of things go. I do not trust uh, those in secular authority. But I want to reiterate, especially as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, this sense there better be some high par for perpetual masking. We were made with human faces. It's how God made us to communicate. We need to be pushing back more and more and saying, no, God made us with a face. Unless it's some extreme thing for a temporary time, maybe, but not anymore. And the Stanford study, we need to be speaking up. The idea of six feet away, the idea of masking, that is not how God made us. And we need to start calling it out as a church and putting political pressure to say, stop it. It does not reach that level. For the vulnerable, maybe, but not for healthy people. Stop it. And and as we heard a call the other day that said, the sense of asymptomatic spread, that is a myth. It is no longer. Nine months ago, we know that is a myth. There is so statistically insignificant yeah, symptomatic spread. So we need to stop putting these legends and fairy tales that scientifically have been disproven. And we need to speak differently. But I think as a body of Christ, we were made with faces. We need smiles when you do pastoral counseling, when we're comforting the family. Stop telling us in church we can't look at each other without, without, with our ma- without a mask on. We're operating on the, the concept of information, education, and then activation. The people must be informed, educated, and then their activation takes place. Without information, they don't know what's going on. Education tells them why it's happening, and then they can activate. I I think that's absolutely important. As watchmen on the wall, it is our stewardship responsibility to do that. And what the father, the, the Catholic priest said there, was that we are in a time when there is fake news, science, fake politicians, everything is fake. But those of us who are Bible students know that the Bible warns us that there is going to be a deluding spirit that goes out in the last days. Many women were in the last days. It is, this thing is more spiritual than many of us are willing to admit. Mm-hmm. Bible says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. This is what is happening right now. And out of fear and these lies, people are being manipulated and taking this vaccine. Why are they forcing us to take this vaccine? I think Cesar LaFleur said it best. There may be a component here of controlling the population. We've got to counter it. And the counter has to come from the spiritual community because this is a spiritual conflict. Essential to the process. In order to inform, we have a gathering of people that meet every, well, they're stopping that now in some churches, but we meet every Sunday and we communicate to a group of people that can take it to their families and to their circle of influence 
to get the message out that yes. this is it can be treated and it does not have to be a forced situation. And that can go against fear. The fear yes. that the media is creating, the fear that the that's out there and all the people are afraid. And if they know this can be easily treated it, it, in the church can be, and you can actually use this for evangelism. If you know that there's early treatment, you know the information and your neighbor becomes sick, you go to your neighbor and help your neighbor. At that point, you have an open door that you may not have had if it's just somebody's next door to you. Brothers and sisters, this is Don Reed. This is a communist takeover of America. Okay. This is what this whole thing is about. I took a class back in 1986 by a guy named Dr. John A. Whitmer, uh, who's a librarian at my seminary. Never heard of Marxism, heard the word communism. Took a class called uh, Contemporary Theologies. And I studied the feminist theology, liberation theology, black theology, Marxism. And I'm seeing the Marxist playbook being used. Yes. Let, let me put it into a, a framework where you can understand it. This whole, even though the virus is real, I believe it's real, but they're using it because this whole thing is targeting the church. I tell my people, it's all about the church. Mark says this. Mark says, the redistribution of wealth, making children become the ward of the state, taking away private property, taking away your freedoms. Mark says, listen, none of this will work until you first get God out of the public square. That's why they closed down the churches during the pandemic. They had the liquor stores open. But they closed down the church. The church was non-essential because the church is the target. It's the bullseye. And until we educate our people to let them understand what's really going on at the bigger picture, I want to thank all of you for being with us today. This has been an incredibly meaningful discussion about legitimate questions that we need to have answered with balance, with truth, and with medical data. And we need to be able to explain the information we have, as well as the information we don't yet have because these vaccines are so new. And we need to honor our patients and our parishioners' legitimate questions of concern. And I, I just really thank all of you for your dedication to finding ways to break through the barriers, get access to early treatment, get access to screening before people are just indiscriminately vaccinated. We have all of these antibody tests. There are over a hundred antibody tests that we can do for immunity to determine whether or not people are already immune and don't need the vaccine. So we can do that. We can educate people about not only early treatment strategies, but preventive approaches. There are many over-the-counter approaches that can reduce the risk of getting COVID, and there are prescription medicines that reduce the risk. So we have many approaches that are not being discussed in the public sphere. It's time for all of us to get loud and demand the truth, 
demand medical information that we can rely upon that's based on solid data and not having one emperor giving us his opinion on every aspect of our life and our healthcare and our treatments and prevention of disease. One man as emperor has never been the way that medical discourse and scientific establishment procedures as well as the scientific inquiry and research has ever progressed. It's always been involving multiple opinions and debate and discussion and finding agreement and common grounds on areas of concern. So it's time to say Emperor Fauci really is naked. He's the emperor without any clothes. And it's really time for all of us to call that out and say we're tired of being led by one person pontificating and exerting control over every aspect of our life. Let's hear a diversity of voices. Let's hear a diversity of opinions. And let's get loud and demand action on early treatment, prevention, and screening before vaccines are indiscriminately delivered. Thank you to our guest for being here today. Pastor Broden, I'd like to ask you to close this Voice of a Nation in prayer today. I feel it's that important. All right, let's pray. Uh, Father, we're living in some tumultuous and turbulent times. But the Bible tells us that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you're an ever-present help in times of trouble. And because of these troubling times, Father, we lean not to our own understanding. We're seeking the wisdom of God. Release upon us clarity of thought and discernment that our actions and choices and decisions will best reflect the kingdom of God and the purpose of God. I pray that the information that we all gather through these clinics and these information packets that will be available to churches across this country will help to inform and educate your people that their actions and choices will be made based upon the freedom to choose what is best for their families and for themselves. And that choice will advance the kingdom of God here on this earth. Thank you for those who made it a, a priority to be with us today. Bless them, Father, from the top of the head to the soles of their feet. Release your strength and power upon them that they may be the witness that you called them to be at this very troubling time. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Broden. Thank all of our guests. Thank our listeners. Go back and listen to the podcast. Share the podcast. Help spread the word. There is hope and help available. There's treatment available. You can get tests to see if you need the vaccine. You can get preventive approaches. We have many options to help you. This is Dr. Lee for America on America Out Loud, Team Nation, Voice of a Nation Today, signing off and reminding you it's time to get loud, get involved. It's your health, it's your life, it's your freedom at stake. Speak out and help us all work together to make the world around us a better place.